100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge-to-edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no-fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by New Jersey native and hunter, Paul Putera. Paul has a wealth of knowledge hunting the big woods, mountains, swamps, and everywhere in between Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, Ohio, and other places. This is part two of two, where we discuss details around different brows, Forbes, specific success stories with lessons and other scouting techniques and much more. And so if you haven't listened to part one, I'd recommend doing that first before you come back to this episode. So that was last week's, but a really, really great informative episode here with Paul Putera. On this week's Mountain Buck Monday story of the week, we have a story coming in from Rocky Smith in Alabama. Rocky wrote in, I was fortunate to harvest this buck deep in the public land forest in North Alabama with my bow on January 2nd, 2023. 
I had been searching for this buck's core area since getting some late season, postseason pictures in another area last winter. I had several daylight pictures this fall and finally sealed the deal in what was to be my last sit in this area. The buck expired and rolled down a big slope with two small trees keeping him from going over a 40-foot bluff. This area has good bucks, but very low densities, like most big woods habitats. This was only my third deer sighting, all bucks, while hunting this deer all season. This is my biggest bow buck. I am having him age, but based on trail cam photos from previous years shared with me by fellow hunters, he is estimated to be at least seven and a half years old. This year's rack is a little smaller than last year's pictures I got. The old brute was probably on the decline, but still a great animal and trophy. Well, thanks for sending that in, Rocky. This is this is Rocky's third or fourth submission in the last couple of years, and he is just getting after it in Alabama. I, I think I'm going to have to get Rocky on the podcast here and talk through it because we've exchanged some emails back and forth and stuff, and, and this guy gets it, and he, he gets it done in in Alabama on some really, really nice deer uh, especially over the last few years. So, uh, I definitely want to, want to pick his brain on all of that. But if you want to see the picture of this, this absolute old brute, then head over to East meets West hunt on Instagram or East meets West outdoors on Facebook. And you can see the, the pictures of this deer along with, uh, with the story and the post there and everything. So congrats again, Rocky. Uh, what an just incredible deer. If you want to submit your own Mountain Buck Monday story, send it into my email, bowateastmeetswesthunt.com. That is the easiest way to get it. Just need a paragraph or two at most of the story that that you have, um, some good clean photos that go along with it, and would love to be able to to share your Mountain Buck success stories on the podcast and uh, through social media there. This is, I say it all the time, but it's become one of my favorite things to read and and do every week. And it seems like all you guys really like that these Mountain Buck Monday stories. All right. And other news. So I have a prime bow giveaway. So I'm, I'm giving away a prime bow again. So last year I had given away a bow and this year I'm giving away a RevX 2. So brand new prime RevX 2. And it's pretty simple as far as what you need to do uh, to be able to, to enter in this. So to, to be able to enter in and um, win this prime bow, all you have to do is go to eastmeetswesthunt.com and sign up for the email newsletter. Sign up for the email newsletter, subscribe to get the emails. That is the the first way that you're able to win. And that is an absolute requirement to it. But I did add uh, a few other things here so that if you... Um, if you wanted to get some additional entries, say you're already signed up for the newsletter, what you can do. Uh, another thing is head over on, if you're on Instagram, then follow myself, Bomar Tonic, East Meets West Hunt, and Prime Archery. Uh, that'll get you uh, another entry in there. And um, as well, you can also uh, subscribe to the, the YouTube channel, just Bomar Tonic. Uh, so go over, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and uh, that'll get you uh, an extra entry. So there's three ways to win. Again, email subscriber list. That's a requirement to get extra entries. Follow along on social media, Prime Archery, Bomar Tonic, East Meets West Hunt, and then uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. There was a fourth entry if you purchased anything at Total Archery Challenge, but uh, um so that's that's over now. So those are the ways to be able to win. But I'm really excited to give away this prime bow. Last year it was great. I uh, got to got to give away um, uh, RevX that, or no, I'm not excuse me, not a RevX an inline uh, last year. So it's excited to to give out this RevX and see what people like. So this drawing is going until June 30th. So you have until June 30th to enter if you're listening to this later. Uh, sorry for being a little bit scatterbrained here. It's early in the morning before I, I go to travel. But uh, this week, I will be in Total Archery Challenge 
at the Total Archery Challenge in Big Sky, Montana. So I will not have my own booth there, but I will be there on the behalf of Sika Gear, be hanging out at the Sika booth, shooting the course, and uh, hanging out there on Friday and Saturday. So if you're around in the area, uh, stop by and uh, would love to, to chat. But, all right, with that being said, uh, I hope everyone has a great rest of your week. i got a ton of podcasts coming up. I have probably five or six recorded out now, and I've just been getting getting pumped to, to get all these things rolling out as we're leading into hunting season. So, everyone have a great rest of your week. We will talk to you soon. That building the mock or doctoring up the scrapes, like doing the mock scrapes and stuff, that works. Like, yeah. I started messing with that. I, I watched that podcast with the... Uh, Troy Pottinger. Yeah. And I, w- I took and was like, you know what? I'm going to start playing with what he's doing and see if I can do it here. And I, I replicated it and stuff. And I'm like, huh, it does work here. Like, and like, it does like that, that buck, you, it, you can, can, can uh, create the illusion and that buck will come back and check that spot. You know? Yeah. You know, it's, I'm like, this is pretty, that's pretty sweet. I'm going to, so that's a, that's something I'm throwing in my tool bucket for futures, you know? Yeah. Cause like I, I always knew, I always did the scrapes and stuff, but I never really bothered with them too much. Like I knew it was like, okay, I'll put a camera on this scrape. Cause I always get deer on this camera, you know, but like, I never really played with them and adjust them, adjusted them or anything. And like, I'm like, Oh, this actually works pretty good. You know, cer- certain situations. I carry a bottle of forehead gland scent in my mm-hmm. bag all the time and I'll spray licking branches and just kind of freshen them up. There was a, there was this one buck and I've told this story before on here, but there was a signpost rub that I would spray with the forehead gland scent and within 24 hours, a seven year old deer would show up. It might be in the middle of the night. The one time it was an hour after I left during the day and he mm-hmm. would shred that thing again. No other buck would touch that rub they might yep. pass through it but as soon as someone else put their scent on that he got so pissed off and just yeah. like would come in and just it was his it was his rub i i killed some nice bucks off of signpost rubs i i like using those that's a good starting point too if you don't know where to go like yeah you gotta you just i'm gonna go check over here at the signpost rubs and see where to go but like Sometimes I feel like that's one of the most consistent places to see a big buck in the big woods is off a signpost rub because that's where all the bucks travel and meet. Yeah. You know, everything else could be totally random. It's tough when you're hunting beds and stuff on some of these bucks in the mountains. You, you, you might like, it's so depressing. If you put cameras and stuff on these beds, you know, you'll be like, Oh, he comes in here like four times a month. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like so true. Great, that's gonna help me, you know. But you you put a camera on one of those signpost rubs, and you're like, wow, this buck goes through here like three times a week. Yeah, you know? and then maybe once a week it's daylight. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's it's so funny, and so that that buck that was doing that, and mm-hmm. I remember I went in and I checked that camera. Um, it was like, it was only a couple of days after I was there. Cause I was hunting that area actively and I was going in to hunt and I saw, I was like, dude, this guy came in. It was like a nasty storm and I was hunting off the ground and I checked the camera and I just kind of went out and, and he, uh, and he came back in like right before dark and shredded up. I'm like, he's right. I mean, he's, he's living around here somewhere. So mm-hmm. like, I, it was like November 16th, 17th. It was in 2020. It was later in the year. It was real nasty with some snow in and it just after the front came through, it was cold. And I went in to hunt that rub and he was laying right there, like 15 feet away from the tree in the bottom in a wide open, yeah. like hemlock bottom. He was laying right there and I bumped him up when I went and I just saw his, he was like, I don't know, 20 some inches wide, just big 10 point. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to, I wanted to cry when he, uh, when he took off there. Yeah. That's something I see a lot is I see the big box down in the bottom sometimes. Yeah. You're like they'll get down and they like them swamps down there in the bottoms that swampy spots. And, you know, that's, that's where I hunt most of my stuff in Pennsylvania. I stick to the swamps. Even if there's hills, I go to the swamps. Like if I'll, I'll, the swamps seem to always have the bigger deer in them. 
And yeah, what, and I, okay. How, so yeah, yeah. Explain a little bit more about that because that's 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 interesting because there's there's an area that that I've hunted for years and I've only ever had success there during the rut. But I've always mm-hmm. been in these swampy bottoms and these like places that it's just like that's that's where and a lot of times the does will be bedding in there too. But mm-hmm. I want to hear kind of your thoughts on the 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 swamps. I think it's a lot because of the, uh, the thermal draw for one. It's always creating a vacuum down in there. So, with the high pressure in Pennsylvania, the deer just kind of know that that's I can smell everything when I live here. You know, especially a lot of Pennsylvania, it doesn't have those giant mountains. It's just kind of rolly, gradual, yep. like those hills. So it's it's not enough terrain for them to bed up high. You know, they'll use it to go up from the swamps and use it as food source up on the oaks and stuff on the high terrain. But you only get maybe a couple doe groups and stuff that bed up on the tops. And then the secure bedding is going to be down on the bottoms and the swamps. You know? And what's what's tricky about them is the bucks don't go into the swamps as much as they bed right on the edges of those. Yep. You know? So, like, they see it coming down the hill and then they're, they're out of there, you know. But I when I'm looking at these swamps, I'm not just looking at a swamp. Like, I'm looking at the back of the swamp. Like, so we're like, okay, he's going to be bedding along the edge. What is the back wall like? You know, I'm, I want to have, like, layers in the swamp. I don't want the deer to just be, like, trying to run into an impenetrable forest. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's got to be able, he could be able to walk into it, like, 50, 60, 70 yards and wander through it to travel. You know, when you can find those places where they can walk through, then you find, okay, now I'm going to be where the buck is going to be bedding in this. You know, a lot of times, like, you'll find, like, a drainage, like a little creek or something washing down into the swamp. And right at that point is where you're going to start finding the bucks. Because it's just that little change in habitat and a little, it changes the swamp a little bit. And the where it kind of makes, like, a where it goes in. You know, so it makes that back door for him. Oh, and man, I, that anyone that's listening, like that's such a gold nugget of information, those layers, because like you can look at this for not even just swamps. You can look at it for laurel or anything too, like, or, you know, rhododendron, you get like the spots where it's open woods and then you have like some kind of sparse, somewhat thicker. And then it gets like so thick that they don't even want to go in there but you find that 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 middle ground and and the there's two examples i can think of in swamp areas where the one place i called it the hidden valley that was like this bowl system that ran down into this swampy bottom and right at the bottom of that bowl was was a bunch of blowdowns and it was just like right on the edge of the swamp and i it was i call it the buck nest because like Mm -hmm. it was only it was only used in early season and late season for bucks to bed in this spot but they would like there would be even groups, bachelor groups that would bed mm-hmm. there in September and they'd be on these different parts of the blowdown and they could tuck right down into the thicker part of the swamp yep. once it, once the, the season came. But I learned it from blowing out so many deer in there and I'd blow them out from mm-hmm. a long ways away because everything was pulling down yeah. in t- from all the, the, the ridges. And, and finally I got somewhat smart with it and in gun season, I was, I was in 2019 uh, or 2018, I had a tag and I was just still hunting along and sneaking. I was like, I need to figure out a different way to get in here. And I could hear people driving on the other hill. And I'm like, this is a spot that these, I feel like this deer would be a safe haven. So I like snuck around the side of the ridge and kind of just like poked close to, and I was just using my binos and I spotted, um, I spotted a buck pushing a doe around. It was December the 4th. And, and, uh, I just took my bleak can and just a little Primo's bleak can and dumped it over twice. Mm-hmm. And he came running right up out of there. And I, I shot him frontal with the, with the gun. And it was just like, that was something that came to me. And the other one was because I was finding sheds in this area, a different part of the swamp where there was an old clear cut that started like filtering down and getting like a little bit more sparse. It was like cut a little bit differently. It was kind of open uh, a little bit of rocks and it led into this a little spring seep that ran into the swamp and I would find sheds right there. And then some rubs kind of on the outside of it. And I, I, I truly believe there's a buck. I'm still trying to kill that. He's <laughs> going to be nine years old. I think this yeah. year that, that is, I think he lives in that spot. Yep. And when you kill him, 
you're going to kill another one there the following year anyway. Yep. It's just going to be one of those spots. I just the way you described it, it I'm like, yep. On the head. Like you just you just know. You know. And how do you, how do you get in and like how do you hunt those types of spots? Like that's always the the difficult thing. Well, According to my buck in Pennsylvania, you walk in there and shoot him at 10 yards. <laughs> I like that strategy. Because uh, that's how that one happens. But it's it's funny you mention that because that deer, when he was betting, when I'm tracking him around that swamp, every time he started betting was something like that. You know, he, he wanted that, that little drainage going down into the swamp, the little brook blowing in. You know, every... Everything lined up. You know, you've, you got the water current going down. You got the thermals running down in there. So when he beds right there next to that, everything's just kind of right to his face. Mm, yeah, that 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 totally that so, makes a lot of sense. And like the, where where I've struggled with that specifically in like outside of the rut is like mm-hmm. where to set up when. And I've tried like different outskirts because like this one area i've i've known it for so long that there's, all, there's a big scrape it's on this side there's a big scrape it's on this side but they're still a couple hundred yards away and it's almost too far um to get them coming out unless like, it's the right what you gotta do to kill a deer in that spot is go down in that swamp and figure out how to get across it that as sucky as it sounds yeah that's like the because then you're getting you're coming in the back door you know yeah, and you can if you went in there even early season, like you can get in that if you went in that spot and figured out how to get through the swamp and across the way he's not coming in because he's going to be coming straight down the hill or channel along the sides of the swamp and going to that bed. If you can come in and get there in the morning and get set up directly over where that creek flows in, that thermal is all going to be pulling right underneath you, and you got him. All you got to do is he's just got to come in, you know, but he, you won't get busted. Listen, if, the, if, well, I guess even if that buck did die of old age this past year, but if I it kill him matter. this year early, yeah, I was just going to say that, but if I kill him, I'm, I'm giving you a call and I'm going to say, Paul, thank you. Because that's it. I'm, yep. I'm going to definitely try that and, and yep. see if I can slide in on him. Yeah. Cause that's, that's what I, I've killed a couple in September like that in Jersey too, like hunting marshes and stuff, you know? It's it's the same thing. Like, I I like getting. I come in the back way. You got to figure out how you can get in. Sometimes you can't. It's almost impossible. It's so thick. Yeah. You know, it sucks. But once you get in there and you're in, you're 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 golden. You know, because you're almost you're like you're putting yourself on the back wall of where he's bedded, and a lot of times they'll come in and they won't bed right where you're set up in the morning. But they'll come in close and they'll bed and they'll lay in the sun or something, you know, and they'll be like, I'm going to lay here in the sun and then I'm going to get up and I'm going to feed around on that stuff by the brook. And then I'm going to get up when I get hot and I'm going to walk down the brook and go deeper in and find a nice shady spot to lay under. And that's where you got to be set up. Because if you try to get in there and set up directly where his first bed is coming in in the morning, he might be already laying there. Yeah. Yeah. But if you can get in the back edge, edge of it, like sometimes you can get like a 100-yard buffer from that first bed on the edge where you can get in undetected, you know. Although it, it would be a pretty – so we're, we're recording this here in end of May and our turkey season still in. Although it would be a shitty turkey hunting spot, I may just have to – give myself a reason to carry the gun in there and yeah. try to find that tree to, you know, mm-hmm. to have it before. I mean, it's, it's pretty dang green here, but it's, it's enough where you could, yeah. I think you'd still get in there and find a spot. That's what I always do. When I find a big buck bed or something, if I'm going to try to bed on them, I always look for an afternoon spot, a morning spot, or possibly even an all day sit on it. You know, like you sometimes you can't get into these beds like it's impossible to physically set up on that bed for a deer coming out in the evening. It, yeah. You never you'll never get him. He's never going to come far enough in daylight for you to kill him. Like he's just got you. But sometimes you can get right up over that bed in the morning and kill him. Or sometimes you could just get in the area and get in the spot to kill him in the afternoon in the morning. 
and you're just going to have to sit there and suck it up and deal with it all day and not see any other deer the whole day. And then he's going to get up at three o'clock and walk over to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you'd mentioned something to me about that, where you will sit all day during the early season in that type of scenario. And that's, that's you just, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I try not to as much as possible, (laughs) but sometimes you just, you find one, you're like, I'm going to, I can kill this deer if I do this. Like I just have to do it. You're going to have to suck it up and deal with it. And you sit there and get eaten by bugs all day. The the mental game I always play with myself is like, I always tell myself, I only have to do this once if it works, Mm -hmm. you know, just like every, every day, just like, I just have to do this once, do this hard thing one time. And then you might have to do it a heart you might have to do it again but like it's just yep. you look at it in one day increments like okay i just gotta do this once yeah and then and then 180 days in the season you made it three times maybe twice <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and, man like uh you think about how hard it is to sit all day during the rut i can't imagine trying to do that early season and just like trying to keep your sanity that's a that's yeah. a test <laughs> That's why I, I use the sow. I'll sleep in it sometimes. I'll fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just put my head against the rope. I'm like, he ain't coming yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be all right. If he comes, I'll open my eyes and I'll shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> He's got barely nodding off. You know, I'll just listen to the sound of the crickets. When it, when that changes, I better start paying attention. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about like that, that earlier time of the year and, and like the forbs and the plants and all mm-hmm. that stuff, you pay a lot of attention to those types of types of yeah. things. And that's like, that's the hardest thing in the big woods is, you know, most people look at it as there's no acorns. What do I do? And, yeah. and there's so much more to it, to it. Exactly. And the thing is there's places that don't have any acorns. I mean, you go to the Adirondacks, there's no acorns. There's no oak trees up there. You know, that's like, I was at 4 million acres. There's no acorns, you know, so the deer don't eat them. So you gotta, you gotta find different stuff, but they have black cherry, you know, they have beech, you know, so you get, you can find that. And then they're digging for ferns or you're eating old man's beard on the side of the trees. Like they eat weird stuff, like a lot of mushrooms off logs and stuff like any, anywhere in the big woods, that the the acorns is only like probably ten percent of their diet. You know, it, and, it, and even if you even in the fall when the acorns are dropping, if you cut one open and look at its stomach, it's not all just acorns in there. You know, there's no. a lot of other stuff they're eating. Yeah, and it's like and and acorns are like when they have them, it's like it's like their their nice dinner they go to, but they still got to yeah. eat other food throughout the day to get to get to that point. And mm-hmm. and I'd say eighty percent of the areas I hunt have zero oak trees, and and I, but I've always in the early season typically went to places that had oak trees and tried to capitalize on it. But it's like I've come to learn it's like. I, I honestly, I don't I like hunting oak trees because it's so every year is so different and the deer do different things depending mm-hmm. on what trees are dropping and everything where areas that don't have oaks, I think are more repeatable every, you yeah. know, year after year. Yeah, they're, versus just, they're that. just there because the habitat's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like there was, um, uh, I had a couple notes written down, like you were talking about jewel weed, which that's something you mm-hmm. find in Pennsylvania and, and some other yep. places, like the importance of that is yep. it one of the, those plants. Yeah. That's in like September timeframe until mm-hmm. it, it browns up about right around October. They stop hitting it. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, 
journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S., and I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade short barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. Is a jewelweed they stop hitting, but like September they they run on jewelweed really hard, you know. But in the summertime they really eat it too. But it's a water plant, you know. It sucks up a lot of water and it needs to grow where there's moisture in the soil. You know, you can identify where it's growing just by the habitat. You know, yeah. Like, okay, it needs that s- certain soil to grow. You know, but in like river bottom situations, that's like critical. You know. Or in summer patterns, when you're trying to get a buck on camera in Pennsylvania or something in the big woods, you put it down along swamps and beaver beaver ponds and stuff like that, and the, like the little the big marshy meadows and stuff like that. Yep. On the edge, like that's 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 like you get that swing in their their whole core. Yeah there 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 was a there was a spot that I was. I had it on a scrape, but I didn't realize that there was, I don't even know what the type of grass is. I should know it, but it maybe, maybe it even was jewel weed that was behind. I'm trying to picture it, but I had a camera. I was on the edge of this corner of this clear cut and there's a big hemlock with a scrape under it and mm-hmm. the deer were laying in the, in the hemlocks and the cooler stuff and coming out and they were feeding this cut. And well, I was, I had my camera on video mode and I watched him just go over and eating this grasses. And what it was, was it was like a lower lying area that was kind of swampy, marshy, not, mm-hmm. not like a ton of water or anything, but just wet enough that it grew these grasses and they just pounded it through August and September. It was, it was mm-hmm. crazy how much they were eating that. Yeah. yeah. If it wasn't jewelweed, it was some kind of other lily or something that they were, they found in there, you know? Yeah. Might, might yeah. have been like Canada day lily or uh, uh, violets, something like that. But that's that. All that stuff has more nutrition than a, a food plot. You know, that's more nutritional than some food plot blends. You know, so that's that's what they want. Uh, you know, when they need to grow antlers or they need to produce milk for fawns or something, that's they're going to be looking for that high value food source. You know, mm-hmm. you know, because a, a buck really is like he's a slave to his antlers. 90% of the year. You know, he really he has to eat quality food in order to maintain himself. You know, that's why those deer in the real big remote woods don't always have the biggest racks. It's, yeah. it just it's hard to find that. You know, so when you can find that rare food source in the big woods, that's like a gem. You know, that's that's a key spot and like the biggest most mature deer is going to be around that food source you know because he can use that for growing his antlers and becoming dominant and being the boss you know he needs that yeah it's it's shifted my whole approach of i used to look for the most roughest terrain in the most remote areas thinking i was going to find the Mm -hmm. biggest deer and maybe that could be possible but what i uh, but it has to also have the vegetation diversity yeah that's that's now my number one thing when i'm e-scouting an area is like what has multiple things that come together here that can provide food bedding cover all that stuff Mm -hmm. in one in one area and that to go back to that big buck i killed in pennsylvania that seven and a half year old buck that spot had all that and it was two and a half miles off the road. <laughs> you know, yeah. So that that's why he was there. It was perfect. Like yeah. Nobody was bothering him in there. Yeah. That deer that deer probably never really seen people that much. He, he just lived right there and just hidden that giant swamp. You know, he had everything he ever needed right there in front of him. 
Yeah. No, that's a that's a, a perfect perfect scenario right there. And 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 it's like the more the more I do this, it's like I, I'm always trying to figure out how to be more skilled in mm-hmm. the earlier seasons, you know. Like I mean, most of the time I'm not hunting until late September, early October, but even then it's like you know, I've killed some bucks there, but it's not like definitely not. I don't feel extremely confident like I do later in the season as it yeah. goes, and it's like trying to learn these different food sources and these places that that the bucks like in in that in that type of time frame. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, sometimes that if you're not getting on good deer in the big woods at that time of year, don't hunt it. Yeah, go find a place that you can hunt. You know. Yeah, like I, I hunt a lot of river bottoms and marshes in september you know early season because of the terrain and the habitat they're using at that time of year is a lot easier to get on them and get close to them and get set up you know because when they're they're bedding in that marsh that river bottom situation those suckers are bedded down you walk within 80 yards of them and get up in a tree and they never see it you know you can't do that in the big woods yeah yeah, you know, so like you gotta you gotta weigh your battles sometimes and like be like, yeah, I want to, I really want to kill this buck right now, but I might be better off going driving an hour over here and hunting this area because this is a better habitat for the conditions I want to hunt in the time of the year. You know? Yeah. So sometimes you just you gotta you gotta say you gotta be, like, what's actually gonna work to kill this deer? You know? Yeah. You gotta. Where do I need to invest my time? Yeah, and that's why I think it's it's important to have multiple areas like under mm-hmm. your belt. Like as you know, I was talking about like there's certain places I like to go early season. There's certain places, and I'm not like a specific. I like hunting specific deer, but I'm not like all in. Like this is the only deer I'm going to shoot this year. I like hunting yep. deer, and uh, and so like I'll I'll bounce around to these different areas depending on what's right for that specific time frame. Like I know I know of a place that's like this side hill that's this old clear cut with these logging roads that go through it that is a sanctuary once gun season comes in there's all and even mm-hmm. in the late season there's always bucks in there and it's like i don't hunt that area any other time of year other than that and i just yep. that's just when i feel the most confident in it you yep, know and- exactly like i i don't hunt around here too much in november like i i go i go out to ohio and stuff like now yeah because when those big bucks are locked down on does around here it's hard to get on them you know it's really hard because there's just not a lot of deer so you got it takes a lot of effort to put it put in to find that giant buck and where the heck he could possibly be at that time and find him locked on the doe yeah and then you got to hunt him locked on a doe which i i mean i pulled it off in the past i killed my biggest buck in jersey like that locked on a doe you know but it's not the best option, you know? Yeah. So like you go to Ohio, there's enough mature deer that there might be some walking around that aren't locked down, you know, that are looking for their next one. You know, there's, there's enough competition. So like, I'll go, I'll go hunt the, the rut in there. And then my bread and butter for around here is October. You know, that's when I like to kill my deer around here. You know, yeah. When they're, like right, right around the October, mid October, like, like from the fourteenth, fifteenth, on, you know, especially like Pennsylvania, you got that bear season that rolls in and stuff, and then that early muzzleloader with the does that now yeah. and stuff, that pushes a lot of pressure on the woods all of a sudden, and then that stacks them, you know. So now all of a sudden, all your bucks that were not exactly where you wanted them to be are now where you want them to be and then you're hunting them on the scrape patterns you know and that's lethal when you can get them when they're when they're on that scrape pattern and they don't have does it's lethal it's dangerous for them. Yeah. okay so you 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 like that that mid to late october time frame of really like focusing on the I, Pennsylvania. i always kill my biggest deer around here like 15th to the 22nd okay yeah, that's what I kill all my big ones. And uh, okay, so like, what, 
with that being said, like what, where, where do you find these deer kind of going to like, do you, are there certain like things that you find trends of like where they like to go after that, some of that pressure and, and starting to hit those there, scrapes? Yeah. Big swamps on the drainage yeah. is flowing into the swamps pretty much. You know, like, like you were saying before you were talking, you found that spot because you kept jumping deer, you know, you can find these spots where these big bucks are going to go to by just screwing up and jumping a lot of deer, you know? So like people that are listening, if you jump a lot of deer and they always run into a certain place, that might be a good place to go check after something, a situation like that, where you get that early muzzleloader in the bear season and stuff. Okay. Now I got to go. Now I focus here, you know, all that other sign that was being made, that doesn't matter anymore because it's all gone. Mm-hmm. It was being made and then it got blown up. You know, so like you just got you got to capitalize it on that way because you're you're hunting the pressure. You know, and 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 like these spots that that you find them going to, maybe see them running to or whatever. Like, are you are you going up and and I know it's probably uh, dependent, but are you sitting in a tree most of the time in these places? Um, sometimes uh, I try to get in a tree if I can get a good angle, but I I. I I go in, I carry a, I carry a, a large saddle platform, like the, the lone wolf custom platform. And then I have the, uh, the saddle harness and I, I, I use that like a little mini tree stand and I just kind of stand on the sucker and I'll put my back to the tree. If I got to face backwards and hemlock tree, I do whatever I got to do in that thing, you know, but I, I only get elevated four shot angles. You know, I kill most of my deer a stick and a half high, two sticks high. You know, I hunt real low. I just go just up. That's actually, I only carry two sticks. You know, that's all I even carry anymore. I I have two sticks with eighters to my platform because I got, because I'm six foot three, I can get about, about 14 feet, you know, but most of my deer, I kill about seven and a half to 10 foot high. Yeah, I I stay nice and low, you know, because I want to get that angle in there. And I find that if you if you go and try to fart around next to these bedding areas and climb a tree 8000 feet in the air, all you're doing is alerting every deer in the area. It's like raising a flag. Yeah. Yeah. Because they can they're looking up and you're kind of skylined. And and yeah, so you just you just stay stay low. Like like a lot of times you're hunting in the laurel and stuff. You know, if you're in Laurel or Rhododendron, I just get up and I, I sit up and I sit up waist high in the Rhododendron bush against the tree, you know, so I can shoot right over the top of the bush. But when I, I can just kind of hide it in the top of the bush and use the whole bush as cover, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a, 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 such a good point. Like my, my uncle, that reminds me of a story he was talking about, he shot this buck and he was hunting it and this buck was living in this Laurel and, and He's like, he doesn't like going high as it is, but he was in a climber, but he's like, I just got up just above. He's like, I just see an above the laurel and I saw his antlers coming through and just hit this one little opening. And it was like, you know, yep. right, right on top of him before he got the shot. But it was like, rather than going way up and then, you know, a deer from a ways away can see you up yep. in that tree. Yep, and that's how all my hunts are. It's like you see the rack coming through, and you can see the top of the head, the top of the rack, and you just kind of draw back, and then he steps into the pocket, and whack. You know, yeah. They don't have a clue what happened at that point. You know? and, and, and two, like with those those setups, like are, are you – are you hunting areas where you think there would be trout, like bedding and shifting beds most of the time? Yeah, shifting around. Well, it depends if they're – if I'm hunting all day or if I'm hunting, you know, in the morning, I'm expecting shifting beds, but in the evening, they're usually in their final bed by the time you go and set up for them. Okay. So gotcha. It, it's going to be a little bit different of a play between what you're doing between those, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. And, and, uh, and like w- with like the spots that you're picking, do there does there need to be sign there as far as like the you know your traditional like scrapes or anything? Or are you just kind of getting where you feel like that buck's going to be comfortable? When I'm hunting them October, they usually are making scrapes right around their beds. 
Yeah. There's usually a couple scrapes right in the vicinity, and they're usually they're coming off a bed and dropping into some kind of hub. You know, they're looking for that thermal hub kind of situation where they can get that effect where there's like a good scrape in that area, you know. And you, you are you dropping right down into that hub? I try to in the evenings. Yeah. Yeah. But in the mornings and stuff, I'm not. I'm, I'm above it. Yep. Usually. You know, I like to get up above it. I try to get up behind them in the beds, you know, so because they, they usually the thing is. What people forget about, like, you get these bottoms with this scrape or something in it, and that buck is probably bedded up on the ridge somewhere right around there looking at that scrape. You know, he could be 150 yards away. He's probably visually looking at it. You know, and that's what these big bucks do a lot of times in these big woods is they just watch their scrapes. Now, so if you walk in and you're standing at a scrape and go, oh, this is a nice scrape. I should set up here. You probably already screwed it up. Yeah. You know? So you got to you gotta find them ahead of time. You got to know where they're going to be. You know? Or yeah. go through and blow it all up and then come back a couple days later and hunt it. Yeah, and you get some more consistency in the in the evenings down there too. Like I, mm-hmm. the spot I killed my buck was in a hub with a big scrape this year, November fourth, and it was hot, but it was cool, a little bit mm-hmm. cooler down there. But when I first climbed the tree, it was like it was late because I decided to move, and it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. The wind was just freaking, boom, boom, this way, that way, all this stuff. But I knew from history that spot that like deer weren't traditionally living around there. They were passing through, coming from the neighboring ridges down. And I'm yeah. like, I'm okay as long as nothing comes at this exact time. And then like an hour before dark, it just the thermal pull goes down. And I was sitting right yeah. on the right on the creek, and it's just like pulling it down. And that buck came from you know somewhat downwind, yeah. essentially downwind, and came up through. But that spot historically, right before dark, has been really good mm-hmm. in in the evening. And most of them are like 95% of the time. When did the deer drop to the bottoms? You know, and, they're uh, dropping yeah. when the thermals drop. So if you're afraid of being all sketchy in there and blowing your wind up to them, don't be there. Yeah. Just wait until the thermals drop and then go in. Yep. You know, just sit back and wait. Like that's, I, I do that a lot. I'll, I'll get within three, 400 yards of where I want to go. And then I'll just sit on a log and watch my watch and wait for the time when the thermals switch, you know, and you can predict when thermal switch very easily on Caltapo nowadays. It's not hard. You just go on there and you look at the, you look at the, the uh, sun exposure feature and you go on there and it tells you the sun exposure and it tells you exactly what time the thermals are going to switch. Cause it tells you when the mountain goes from sunlight to shade. Yeah. You know, so yeah, just, that's you just oh okay. I'll just go in now. You know, same thing. Same thing in the morning. You can predict. Okay, the thermals are going to start coming up at this point in time. At this point in time, the bucks are going to be down on the bottoms, and at this point in the time of the day, they're going to be up here on the hill. Yep. You know, and you can watch that thermal walk right up the hill on the time schedule, and you could see when the deer are following that up a hill in hill country. Yeah, or mountains. It's the same thing. They follow the thermals up and down. You know, you know, Paul. For a guy that that just got a smartphone in 2020, you got the you got this figured out. <laughs> we were joking about that beforehand, but uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's super powerful to to be able to to understand that when those thermals are switching and the mm-hmm. the with the sun. I mean, use that out west all the time too. Same exact thing. It's like yeah. you're planting stocks on mule deer or whatever. It's like okay, you can't go at this time because all of a sudden this is going to happen, and you're watching the sun, exactly. which there you can actually see it kind of yeah. happening but uh or you can see the shade and the trees start to have shade toward different mm-hmm. directions and 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 everything changing that yeah exactly so around here you don't have that that luxury so you got to use some technology you know? yeah that's why that's why i use that feature on cal Topo a lot of times because it, yeah and, it, and the only one that has the sun exposure right now yeah you know? and and then also like uh cloud cover you know obviously can can change that but that's just by mm-hmm. looking you can you can 
be able to determine that by by looking at the yep. weather too just like what's it, what's it supposed to be is it supposed to be cloudy or and if you're going in in the evening yeah. you're able is, to is it going to be that. a high pressure day or a low pressure day if it's low yep. pressure they're probably down lower mm-hmm. you know? yeah oh they, just, there's, they there's, follow it the, the thermals are more important than wind direction that's the most important thing because it's consistent every day there's always thermals going up at a certain time and always going down. You know? Yeah. The the caveat to that would be is is on high wind speed days it shifts it a little bit or makes a little bit of problem, at least from my experience. Mm-hmm. Do you do you see high, like higher wind days being a little bit more difficult for that? Yeah. It can it it'll change the elevation they're betting on. It's like 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 the the, the upper one third the wind tunnel theory, right? Yeah. You got the wind coming over the top, the thermal's rising. Well, if you get a different variable wind speed, that's just changing the elevation that that's happening. So that wind tunnel is still there. It's just at a different elevation for the wind speed. Well, I'm shooting a new bow this year, and I am pumped. After playing around with the buddy's Hoy RX-8, the smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX-8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the GoSticks 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, the integrated kickstand within the HBX exact cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt. Ground hunting or spot and stock just got easier. If you want to experience what I'm talking about, head to your nearest Hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself. You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at the mobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. So you'll you'll get different different layers on it. What do you what do you consider like high wind? Like what 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 would you consider something that starts shifting that? Fifteen twenty mile an hour would be high winds for me. Yep. You know I I I like the. When I'm hunting the bottoms, I don't like any wind. Yeah. Yeah. But like if I'm hunting the tops eight, ten miles an hour, little little bit of wind is good. Like enough to cover your movement, but it's gotta be consistent. You know, which it which you have to you have to pick times when the wind is consistent to haunt certain points, you know, like don't hunt a front in this spot because that's gonna make it all swirly, you know. Like everybody wants to hunt that the beginning of that cold front there. Oh, I got a cold front coming in. I'm gonna go right to my best spot. But if the wind's all switchy in there and it's blowing all over the place, all you're doing is stinking it up and alerting every deer in the area. You know, but if you wait till that front is getting to the tail end and it's starting to calm down, the winds are getting more consistent, and you're starting to get that northwest westerly wind switching to a south, you know, when that set wind switched to the south it comes in with consistent wind speeds, you know? So when you get to that tail end portion, now you move in there and get on there. They're still moving from the front, but the wind is cleaner so you can get into a spot. Well, yeah. And I, and I've always heard, like, I've always heard the theory Mark Drury had like talking about like the first South wind after a bunch of northerly Mm -hmm. westerly winds to, to go in. And it's like, you know, maybe, you know, I was talking about movement on that, but it might just be too that you're actually able to not blow things out. Yeah. And, you're just and, not getting busted. Yeah. Exactly. And, 
And yeah, and 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 yeah, that's that's a that's a really good point. And like for me, once it gets that 15, 20 mile per hour thing, most of the time that's when I'm hunting off the ground and I'm still mm-hmm. hunting because it's like a lot yep. of times the spots won't stay even somewhat consistent for 10 minutes, let alone the time that you're going to be hunting in there. Yeah, that's what I do the same thing. Like I get crappy weather days, pouring rain and stuff. I'm scouting and blowing them out of beds. Yep. <laughs> I, do, I do that all the time. I love doing that. I, <laughs> I, I kill a lot of bucks doing it. You know, you, yeah. you, kill, you just blow them out. Like now I know where he is. Like, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work the first year, but you blow them out and you're like, ah, I know where you are now. I'm going to come back for you next year and I'll kill you. You know, yeah. or if you, if it's not you, it's probably another buck that was in that same spot. You know, you kill, you jump a big buck. You're always going to jump a big buck in that spot. They, they sent, they use the same places like, cause they work. Those spots work. Yeah. And the, the, the condition based hunting, like looking at it from a standpoint of like, what are the conditions telling you for that day and making your plan based off of that? I don't yeah. think that can be stressed enough. Like you, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's really not that hard to find good sign. It's yeah. really hard to figure out when to hunt it and how to hunt it, sort of, mm-hmm. sort of speak. And that's like the the thing you said about the bottoms. Like I talk a lot about hunting bottoms. I love hunting bottoms, but it's mm-hmm. got to be somewhat calm because otherwise, it's it's really really difficult to hunt those places. Yep. Well, that's you got Spartan Forge, the app. It yeah. tells you when to hunt the deer. It tells you high activity, low activity, core area. You know. Instead of hunting them on the high activity days, hunt them in the core area days. Because now you know exactly where they are. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, it's like <laughs> instead of going all over the place and running all over the, the mountain, they're laying in their beds. Yeah. But now I know where they are. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I like that mindset. That's a. You know? It's like that. Yeah, I, I like that. Because <laughs> you, you go on a trip, on a hunting trip somewhere, you can't determine the weather. It could change any day on you, you know. You got to be able to hunt the hunt what you got, you know. So you can't just be like, "Oh, I'm going to hunt the optimum days for movement based on this weather pattern or something." You got to be able to go in there and kill that deer when you're there. Yeah. So you got to you got to know where he is, where you got to be, and how you got to set up. And, you know, you got you got to yeah. be flexible on it. Yeah, because if you have you have a week off of work, okay, and you're going to Ohio or you're going West Virginia or wherever, and you have that time, just because th- the conditions aren't showing that they're perfect for this, doesn't mean you. What are you gonna do? Just sit mm-hmm. sit in the camper and uh, you know watch yeah. Netflix? Like you're not gonna do that. You just got to figure out how to use that to your advantage. And 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 here, I mean, last year was a perfect example of it. It was a shitty year for weather, um, like mm-hmm. during the rut and the, that was hot and all that stuff. But it's like, it's not, you can't change the weather. So like, what are you going to do about it? Like, how are you going to, yeah. to figure it out? It might not be easy, but you gotta, you gotta give it a shot. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, and that's I, a, I killed my, my one buck last year, early October. I killed my 12, the 12 pointer. Um, I killed him in the morning. After I jumped them the morning before, trying to do the same thing, you know, yeah, I tried, I've been trying to kill that deer for three years, you know, he's always in there. I'm like, it's finally the stars aligned and I got the right positioning to kill him. I figured out oh, I got, I got to be in there in the morning on a south wind or it's not going to work. That's the only way I could kill that deer. Yeah. So that's, the, I got that condition. I went in there and I, I blew him out the first day. And then I killed him the second day. Yeah. What I, what did, what did that look bed. like? Like what? Where exactly. did he, where was he like betting at? Like what did it look like? This he was betting 150 yards off a road on a bluff in a bowl. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's challenging. And then he was traveling benches from that from that bluff because the, the bluff is probably about 200 foot elevation change from the road. You know, so he's traveling that he's traveling that bench and going out to agriculture that was over, I think, probably a mile and three quarters away. You know, and that's what I I picked him up down there. I picked his tracks up down there in the field in a scrape in that field. You know, so I I went in there 
three days earlier, you know, and I'm like, okay, he's here. I'm like, I know which buck it is. It's got feet like this on him, you know, these giant feet, huge, 204-pound buck. Yeah. It's a big tracks. I'm like, okay, he's here. Well, he lives over there. I'm going to go over there and set up for him. You know, I, I know I know where the deer has been going, but he, I, I still followed him in the first day and tried to set up on him in the evening because I'm stupid and I keep repeating the same thing I keep screwing up on every year, kill the deer. Never worked, never saw him. I'm like, well, that no, of course it didn't work. You know, the way the way the wind channels in that area, it just always blows like up into that bowl. You can't get around it. No matter how the wind, it always just goes right up into it. Because of all the different benches and stuff. It just filters. So I go in there in the morning. I'm like, I'm gonna set up on his bed that I found three years ago. I'm like, they always he always beds on this point. I go up there in the morning in the dark, go to set up to shoot him out of his bed. We're looking eye to eye, 20 yards away. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him, and he's like, I don't like this. I'm getting out of here. And he runs off. I'm like, well, I guess that morning's toast. It's like, what am I going to do? I'm like, I'll just sit down. At, I'll sit down by his bed, and while I'm in here, because I already blew him out, I'll just walk around and see what the hell he's doing in here. Yeah, so I'm, I walk in. I find I'm following this trail and stuff. I'm like, ah. Oh. I'm like, you're going, you're going down to the bottom of that bowl and then going down that – cutting by that drainage i'm like that's where i'm going to set up you know i got that drainage because it's like a, a swampy bowl and then there's like a little steep cut right there so it creates a pinch point where he has to kind of funnel through here to walk through the bottom of that bowl creates a pinch point off the bluff and then i have a excellent like thermal advantage right there and I get over there and I look, I'm looking at him. I'm like, okay, so this is, I got to set up here. And then I'm like thinking, I'm like, wait, if he comes down that lower bench, he could, he could come right up that drainage as his passage get up to this, you know? Cause I'm like thinking, how am I going to set up? Cause I already blew deer out of that bed. So he's already got me over here and now he's got my ground scent over here where I just walked. So I'm like, he's going to, he's going to loop around this bed and go to the next bed over. You know, so I set up on that drainage, anticipating him coming up the drainage now in the morning. So I set up on that and set up. When I set up, the deer came straight up the drainage, and I shot him at 25 yards right in the ditch. Ah. But he was was using that ditch to make sure he could smell everything in there because everything was flowing right down into that drainage ditch. So he walked right off that drainage in the morning to make sure everything was clear. Interesting. And and where where was like the tree that you were set up in uh, according to that drainage again? I had a south wind and I was on the south side of that ditch. Okay. In gotcha. the bowl. So the wind was blowing. So the, the thermals in the morning were dropping down the ditch, but I was backed up enough that anytime the, I had a little bit of breeze, I was just pushing it away from that ditch. Ah, I just gotcha. I was just out of it, and it was like one of those scenarios where it's like the only tree that you can get in is this nasty, ugly tree, and that's the one I can get in to shoot them. You know, so I got I got in that tree. You know, but it was it, the tree was specifically placed for the thermal movement. You know, if I, if I was ten feet off on on any other tree, it would have been no good. You would have been out of range, or you would have been busting me with the thermals yeah Yeah, so it's like that has to be the tree it's ugliest sin no cover in it just horrible tree but that was the tree for the 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 wind you know yeah oh man that yeah that deer that deer thought he had you after three years uh, of hunting and uh yeah ended up not not working out but i mean it's it's funny too like another thing take from that is like you bumped him the day before and he's still Mm -hmm. He still yeah, he went back, back there. That. that was the yeah. best spot. Yeah. You know, he felt comfortable there. Yeah. And I, I busted him in the dark. He didn't know what the heck was going on, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, 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 we're it's using heavy that. pressure public land. You bust the deer out, they're going to come back to the same places. 
Yeah. Because where else are they going to go? They go over here, they're going to get shot at anyway. So you might as well go to a good spot. Yeah. Well, you're, you're exactly. It's like, what are they going to do? Go to this other random spot hoping that that this works out. They're like, we know this worked. We know this spot worked out because yeah. I, I was able to, to get out and I can see and I can smell and I have all those advantages. That's yeah. That's, that's the difference with like highly pressured areas versus areas that are, you know, whether it's private or even public mm-hmm. that don't get pressure and then they see somebody and it freaks them out versus places that, you yeah. know, that they, they don't get pressure. Yeah. Because th- these deer, they deal with hikers Hunters, like hunting, hunting deer hunters, small game hunters. They got turkey hunters coming through there. They got people running coons. They got they, everything. Like, you know, it's the most popular place in the world to hunt. Hunt, you know. So yeah. they're, they're just surrounded by everything. Yeah, no, and they, that... they just deal with people. You know. Yep. But I think I think on that note, uh, I think we'll we'll wrap this one up. As uh, you know, we've been going for a good hour and forty five minutes here, and I know if I don't cut it off now, that we'll be uh, going until well past my bedtime. So <laughs> I, think, I think I could talk to you all all night. But um, I, man, Paul, I, that, that was awesome getting to to have you on here. I said beforehand uh, before we started recording, I was like, "There's so many things I want to talk." to talk to you about that I didn't know how to kind of direct it um which is a good problem to have but I think it was a I think it was a good conversation kind of going into your your mind of like how you look at deer hunting and how you look at it and I think you look at it such an analytical way but also just take those experiences and are able to make decisions off of it where I think that's a rare quality of people of not getting too much paralysis by analysis and overthinking things, but you take those details into serious consideration, but use it to actually make a decision. And it's, mm-hmm. it's obvious by the, by the success that, that that works out. <laughs> yeah, it works pretty good. <laughs> For sure. But, um, but anyways, is there, is there anywhere that uh, you want to direct anybody to, to check you out on Facebook or anything or see any of your, your, uh, yeah, or deer? Just, I'm on Facebook. That's about it. So I don't know how to do all the other stuff yet. I just got a, I just got a smartphone in 2020. So <laughs> I love it, man. Well, again, thank you, Paul, for coming on, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely be talking to you again on here soon. Yep. If you if you send me a friend request on Facebook, make sure you like send me a message so I know who you are, so I don't have all these weird people messaging me too. Yeah. I get all you get all that spam stuff and all like like. I don't know who this person is, but that's definitely not somebody that's interested in me. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a, there's a chicken bikini that's uh, yeah. trying to, to add you on there. It's like, ah, I don't yeah. think it's, oh, I saw you on the hunting channel. Like, <laughs> there you did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.